Crazy. I just really want. So last time I talked about the historic bubble guys. Nah, Victoria had a weird time drawing. So I just wanted to showcase. Oh, we have a quill holding bubble guy for yeah. a history of cleansers. <laughs> but there's a lot more and it, they're all great. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. I also really enjoyed submitting like these bubble guys to Gloria to see her reaction. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Hope you guys like it. Can't wait. There's going to be like more content coming out, mm. more um, promo info. And I think one of the coolest things that we got to do in that book was the kind of like acid decision tree. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, more on that later. Yes. Um, other updates. Well, our brand is still trudging along, but um, the biggest news is probably my personal life. I am finally moving to SoCal, oh where God, I can be close to the family. The, the, the family, the chemist confession family. So all this time we've been working Just at chemist confession. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on the East Coast, mm. um, kind of, mm. and then the company's been on the West Coast, mm. and our manufacturer is in Asia, in Taiwan. Yeah. And I literally been bouncing between uh, um, going to all three places in a year. And with COVID, I it's been really hard. I haven't really gone anywhere. So working mostly remotely with Victoria, which also didn't help with this podcast consistency um, yeah. goal in 2020. So hopefully with this move, it'll be painful for now, but it'll be good for everyone in the world. So long run. celebrating. Sorry. <laughs> um, and that's it. We... Um, we have a concrete brand update yet, but I think yeah, no real brand update. Mm. Um, we are still working on the launches, but mm. um, <laughs> not only are we facing PD times, we're facing um shipment times. Um, since our manufacturing is in Taiwan, and um, but yeah, uh, you'll hear from us very soon, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next. Yeah, next. So, um, last episode, mm -hmm. actually two episodes from this recording. Because we, we record ahead of time now. We're still on top of it. <laughs> yeah, so we definitely got some feedback. Overall, um, it's just really happy to be back and mm -hmm. to know that some of our friends, like, um, everyone's, like, excited. But we got some constructive feedback. Um, yeah, we just want to take this time to share it mm -hmm. and share our feedback. Um, so one of our longtime followers, she uh, wrote to us and she raised two points. The first mm -hmm. one is that she felt disappointed that in our sunscreen, uh, in the episode where we addressed the Purito sunscreen scandal, she was disappointed that we recommended to go bigger companies, especially mm -hmm. when we are uh, a small indie brand. Yeah. Um, and how she felt like, you know, as a small indie brand, we should be supporting indie ventures as well and i i mean totally agree um we also try to do that as well with some of our friends like stratia um mm -hmm. but uh i think we want to emphasize that just keep in mind with sunscreen yeah. um the logic behind it is really about safety and mm -hmm. the proper testing and those bigger budgets yeah exactly and we and we really want to reiterate that this is very specific the sunscreen mm -hmm. category where us chemists, we understand how finicky a formula is. Mm -hmm. um, while we're sure that there's some small sunscreen players that's trying to do their due diligence and doing their best, mm -hmm. but it's really hard for even industry professionals to really vet those brands. Um, so the safer bet is to go bigger. 
and we definitely stand by that point. And the number of times Victoria and I have had people approach us about creating their own sunscreen, we straight out had a bro call us and be like, <laughs> "Yeah, I want to make like you know a resave. Uh, we we ha- I have like five hundred dollars. I want a sunscreen. Isn't it just mixing?" titanium dioxide in a blender (laughs) with a moisturizer yeah and some of those products are out there you know so it's just yeah so that was uh the best recommendation we could give him for the safety of everyone's skin yeah and um another thing she pointed out is she felt like we were kind of like debbie downers Mm. talking about our age um and and especially we're in our both of us are in our early 30s she felt like um for us being so young to have that kind of negativity um felt like we um weren't appreciative of the time we're in now yeah and and also now really supporting like you know aging gracefully and it seemed really drawing for someone uh, a little older than us right and you know it's i totally agree at the end of the day it's always good to have a positive outlook and she's absolutely right that you know um especially for some of our older listeners you know like how that can come off as disheartening but just understand that um, this podcast is really the most raw version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We use it as an outlet to not only talk about the education, but really provide that realistic point of view on, a, you know, thinking about skincare, but also thinking about real life, you know. And Gore and I, I think you guys will know that we're about as raw as we can. <laughs> we're, we're so raw, it's almost un- it's unrefined, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so... I do really appreciate that comment. Yeah. You know, it's a good reality check, but just know that, of course, we're not hating, you know, on where we are. We are very appreciative of being able to do what we do, you know, at our age. But um, for me, especially when I was talking about being in our 30s, um, there are some milestones that come with yeah. being 30 that I haven't hit. You know, there's the pressure of, you know, having a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we set all of those things aside. So we could do chemist confession. So that's really what the angle I came about. And I totally understand how that came off on a skincare podcast as we are unappreciative of our age. But that's really not the case. It's just, you know, just sharing real life. Yeah, And and for me, um, the podcast, you guys know that on the Instagram, when we write, we are very, very careful of how we come across. And the podcast is kind of a more casual outlet for us to chit-chat and for our personality to come through. And for me, um, because of my age, well, everyone in their 30s is when Mm. you notice some pretty major changes to yourself. I mean, I still remember friends, right? Yeah. We grew up thinking the 30s is the worst. because why, God, why? (laughs) Not Chandler, too, you know? So... You know, it's, um, we understand that stipulation. I mean, yeah, so. Yeah, and for me, I just want to say that I really feel like um, to embrace aging gracefully, part of uh, something that is, it's for me, it's not for everyone, is I kind of like bitching about it a little bit. Yeah. Like, make a joke of it. Like, oh, man, my knee problems are my back. And, and, <laughs> and it is things you start noticing in your 30s, especially for us, like, you, a lot of big changes happened here was because of chemist confessions. Mm-hmm. And there is a pressure as a skincare brand founder to have your skin in tip-top shape, which yeah. is very difficult when you're trying on a lot of formulas, a lot of products, and your life is all over the place. Yeah. And you're in your 30s. Your collagen yeah. is jumping off the roof right now. So, <laughs> so yeah, like it, it, we didn't want to come across so negative. It's kind of like, 
jokey tongue in cheek and also to share our personal journey. So yeah, yeah. But uh, again, like she's our longtime follower, so mm-hmm. to hear that, totally necessary. Mm-hmm. And keep writing to us, keep commenting mm-hmm. because that's only going to make us better, and we can address like those serious issues that are on your mind too. I guarantee you, we have moments we can be serious too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, but yeah, anyway, so other than that, um, we recently just did a blog update. Mm -hmm. Um, We had one of our cosmetic chemist friends, Valerie George, um, she guest posted, and we got to ask her a bunch of hair questions. Mm -hmm. Um, We are more than happy to tell you things that we don't know. so, in terms of skincare, for the most part, we got your questions, unless it's like pregnancy, pregnancy, and very serious like acne skin conditions. Um, yeah, I think we got a few on um, very, very, very serious cases of contact dermatitis mm. and rosacea. That mm. isn't, yeah. We for sk- more serious skin concerns, we will chronic skin concerns. Yeah, we give you our take, and usually we'll direct you to a germ if we really feel like not our specialty yep and or we can't provide you the solution right, right. the derms are the ones that really can provide you those tailored prescriptions yeah and yeah. the questions we usually say yeah know nothing about this sorry <laughs> it's hair care yeah hair care is a big category we get a ton of questions mm-hmm. i get it there's a lot of really foreign sounding ingredients and in shampoos and all the quotes and all the to be honest Fear-mongering kind of started from yes, shampoo. actually, yes. It's yes. the sulfate-free claim. Mm-hmm. So, um... That is one of the OG clean beauty claims, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, she was super helpful. She shared her routine. She provided insights on, like, is, a better, is there a better hairbrush out there? Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I really like she talked about was, you know, now we see actually a huge um, push for, like, hair serums mm-hmm. that you know, stimulate hair growth. Um, there's also scalp care. And she said, like, in terms of hair growth, like, that's, you know, if anything, it's going to be an OTC drug and there's only yeah. one out there. But scalp care is definitely a cool field that she's interested in. And I, I thought that was really neat. Yeah, and she, one of her suggestions was that everyone could benefit from a clarifying scalp care kind yeah. of formula, which I thought this was not something I even considered yeah. before because yeah. I, why i'm dry i have dry skin and i have dry hair mm-hmm. so anything clarifying is terrifying to me mm-hmm. and i feel like she was calling me out she was like <laughs> she's like don't brush hair when it's dry i, was oh, like, I oh barely God. brush hair and then it's always dry and then she's like everyone uh she's like really get in there your scalp is more disgusting you thought i'm like very casual you know the fact that she said that means she has probably seen some shit some shit under the microscope she's like dude girl just wash your hair yeah so um really great blog article she's also really cool so definitely if you have more hair questions send them her way she's very sweet um but yeah yeah, so that's a big blog update, and hopefully by the, the time this podcast, this episode comes out, mm-hmm. we are so grateful that um, Sederma has shared some of their peptides insight with us. Um, for those of you who don't know, Sederma is the peptide powerhouse behind creating um, fan-favorite molecules like Haloxyl and Matrixyl. Totally would give them the title of King of Peptides. Yes. <laughs> so they shared some of the details with us, and we're working on putting um kind of going through and, and there's a lot there is a lot i actually really want to do this like now but <laughs> it was taking me a while to wait through all the details and yeah. think about how to best present the topic 
but look forward to the peptide circle. Yeah, uh, I it's going to be a good one. I think everyone will really enjoy that. Yeah. All right. So before we kick off the news, Gloria, what are you drinking today? Today I am feeling like a basic bitch, and I have a white claw. Yes. <laughs> what flavor? This flavor is very important. Natural lime, but mm. I I have a uh, ruby grapefruit mm -hmm. <laughs> for the, the second half. Of I the think podcast. everyone knows that's a Costco pack. <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> from that from that combination. Yeah, uh, and today I'm keeping it simple as well. I'm drinking a little Stella. We're two basic videos. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, because we're recording on a Thursday and we still have work tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, anyways, Let's jump in, into the, 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 the news. In the news. <laughs> all right. In the news. Kick it off, Gloria. All right. So, in the news, I feel like everyone's struggling with the news now because mm. no, I don't think anyone expected us to be still knee deep in COVID stuff mm. at this time. But um, I think two episodes ago, Victoria found Allure's, like, friend of 2021. Mm -hmm. And this time I found an article that recently came out on Vogue that talked about K-beauty trends for 2021. Mm -hmm. All right. Victoria, <laughs> how do you feel about these trends? Yeah, so um, they list off things like ginseng, mm -hmm. uh, acid layering, mm -hmm. uh, carrot seed oil. I misspelled carrot. <laughs> anyway, not important. Uh, gentle retinol, which I thought was interesting. I didn't really think it was a K beauty trend, but I can see sort of, oh. you know, K beauty. A lot of people associate it with being gentle. And I forgot sing. to pull my tinfoil hat <laughs> for our, our theory moment. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my theory, she was ready to put it on my head, but. <laughs> Um, centella, which is not new, but hey, man, we do like centella, so keep going, I guess. I would like to say we were there first. <laughs> okay. Um, clean beauty. That's also not new, but I guess it's trendy. I want to say, I always feel like before COVID, mm -hmm. we traveled to Asia a lot. Mm -hmm. I always feel like what's interesting to me is the concept of clean is very different in mm -hmm. Asia and here. Like, mm -hmm. I think the the kind of, like, oh, plants, um, all natural brands, mm. they exist in, in Asia, too, but they're always more niche. It's yeah. not as mainstream as here. Yeah. And some of the more popular clean beauty claims in the U.S. is not very prevalent in Asia at all. Like, they do, they love their alcohol-based textures because yeah. they're very layer-heavy. Both Korean yeah. and Japanese beauty are all about layering. Mm -hmm. So, um, they've never shown alcohol. I think a lot, most brands still use silicone, and that hasn't been tossed under the bus, yeah. which is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a completely different concept. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, I would say that ingredient, uh, I don't know, I guess like some of the controversies around safety that we mm -hmm. know with like some of these like no-no list ingredients, mm -hmm. they just haven't really made their way to Asia. Yeah, or anything, they saw the list and they're like, Man. <laughs> yeah, or like they just kind of appreciate a more plant-based marketing, but mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily they're not expecting like certain ingredients to be nicked. Yeah, say. yeah. Yeah. Um then they also have pre pro and postbiotics. Which is definitely a global trend General. all around. Yeah. yeah, which we like. And then also uh flexible minimalism. Actually, this is um 
This was um Fitty Snails. Yeah, our friend Fitty Snails. We love her and um she also has a book coming out. Yeah. Yeah. She does. Definitely check that out. And it's launching at a similar time, so we're hoping we get to work Did with you her. Did you collab? Yeah, yeah, a little collab. But I really love mm-hmm. this idea mm-hmm. because holy cow, one of the things that we really struggled with in K Beauty is the number the proclaim that you have to do so the, many steps the same 10 step routine. yeah you have to do all these steps in order to get good skin and personally as someone who is very lazy and like also being an industry insider we know that like that's not necessarily the case um yep. of course if you're doing a 10 beauty 10 step routine nothing wrong with it you don't have to change it but to say that it's a must um, I think was really hard for me. Yeah, and uh, and something that we do always preach is that if you have sensitive skin, try to keep the step minimal. Like, mm-hmm. get to know your friend, like, court your skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Date it. Get to know it. Because 10 steps means 10 potential causes of irritation if you have sensitive skin. Right. And you want to start off just a little simpler. Yeah. But yeah, we love this point that um, Fitty Snails brought up. I think it's something that we try to encompass in our product development strategy as well. Mm-hmm. Like small, like our, our brand prod PD doesn't follow that traditional, like, oh, we have to have a toner and a serum and a cream yeah. and a night cream. It's it, none of our products fall super neatly in those prod, uh, in these um, categories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's great. Um, the ginseng, um, they call it humbang ingredients. A lot of that is centered around anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. which is, also great i do want a little trend mm-hmm. i was gonna ask you about acid layering how'd you feel about that so <clears throat> i think it's kind of an interesting idea in the in the article they kind of framed it as oh you use like several gentle acids several low concentration acids as a um a way of getting the efficacy mm-hmm. and i think it's great but a lot of american products have much higher concentrations mm-hmm. They're designed to be used by themselves. Mm-hmm. So this idea, take it as an idea, proceed with caution. Um, when we did our acid line, we made sure it's at the highest level, but it's uh, it's designed to be a rinse off mask and or a booster to be mixed. To be diluted and mixed. Right? Yeah, but we do see a lot of brands starting to push that percentage higher mm-hmm. and they promote that layering, which can be a little dangerous. So just proceed with caution and when doubt, um, with us <laughs> yeah i would say it's a good starting point yeah um but also the flip side is if you're used to a higher level of acids this actually might not work for you because yeah um you're already kind of like acid tolerant and to kind of get that like daily maintenance that daily expo- um that yeah. like you know constant exfoliation these like more gentle acids in this layering approach might not quite work for you yeah and and yeah one one really good say 30 percent glycolic peel Mm -hmm. once a week or once every other week if your skin tolerant is probably better than if you're learning eight different three percent glycolic acid products right exactly all right next oh sorry sorry. before we move on i do want to comment on the gentle low percentage retinol one (laughs) we recently did a decode um, a Paul's Choice <laughs> product that has 0.01% retinol. Um, ah. low, low microdosing retinol, I guess, is is okay. Um, but and as someone who is not very retinol tolerant, we think 
using lower levels and promoting like straying away from that crazy high like always pushing for that one percent or even claiming above one is a good idea mm-hmm. but know that most papers have um proven efficacy at, at the lowest 0.1 percent mm-hmm. so when you get into the 0.01 or one percent parts per billion you're probably not getting much anyway i just want to point that out yeah and just keep in mind if you are struggling with retinal dosing um another method is to just dial down the frequency yes um that's actually a much better way of managing without having to deal with like too low of a concentration and yeah hoping that that's gonna lead you 12 weeks from now it's gonna help you in terms of efficacy so next thing um We, Gloria found a great article um, on skin, it's called the Skincare Ingredients mm-hmm. Check. And um, I personally, it was like really great for me to hear, but it basically interviews a derm um, that shares kind of their, how they feel about all these transparent ingredients. Yes. And it really, really resonated with us. So the, the article is on Well and Good and it's called Skincare Ingredients Check. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're the derm that wrote that article, reach out to us because we love to chat. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you feel how we feel. <laughs> right. So when we first started, we kept pushing, oh, you got to know the percentages. It is your baseline for under, for mm-hmm. uh, it's like your insurance check for knowing that mm-hmm. this product is probably going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And now we got to a point where I think a lot, so many brands are catching on. Consumers are getting savvier. People are going way crazy on the on the percentages. Yeah, they're reaching. They're punching way above what you're supposed to be using mm-hmm. for your skin, mm-hmm. and that means irritation out. Yeah. Um. We never thought. I don't think we could have predicted that. Yeah. Two years from when we started, that that yeah, probably two years ago. I don't think we could have predicted that. Now our tone is, hey, transparent <laughs> ingredient lists are great, but. Just, you know, make sure you find the right <laughs> level. It's not like make sure you're getting enough anymore. Um, we really had to get people to like kind of like, especially one of the biggest examples is niacinamide, get people to like blow your roll for a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know that you only need 2 to 5% in these 30% niacinamides? Like, what are we trying to do here, guys? Yeah. What is this? Is this a pissing match? What's going it on? It is a pissing match. <laughs> and the ones that's like, you know, not a cinema, if you just solubilize in water, you can get up to like 50%. Yeah. You know, so that's not the goal. And I think that article, she made such a good point. I think one of the points that Durham talked about was um, the right level for you might be different mm-hmm. too. You know, when you see out there all these, People and brands are telling you, hey, man, like, I got 50% here. I got 30% there. You might feel like, oh, crap, is my, is my product not working? Yeah. But just just do dig a little deeper. Always DM us if you don't know exactly. what the right percentage range should be. It's funny you brought this up because today we actually just got a question mm. about Paul's Choice who came out with a 9% salicylic acid topical. Agro? Ah, like, it's... So again, like you don't need that much, um, especially at, at this point, salicylic acid is not going to be your um, main acne fighter. Mm-hmm. It is a help. It does help as kind of like a co-helper and in, in your other actives. Yeah. So you don't need that much salicylic acid. And it's things like that that are starting to make our, our jobs a lot more complicated in trying to teach people. So yeah, just 
Yeah, I think right. it's a great point. Like, keep that in mind. Quick aside, salicylic acid, typically used between 0.5 and 2%. Yeah. You can find it in esthetician clinics at, like, up to 30% as a peel. But you're taking that off. You're not leaving all overnight. And so. you're not doing it every every night. Yeah. And usually it's just a short-term, like, a short-term treatment. Mm-hmm. So, mm. <laughs> But from the well and good block, when I was <laughs> podcast together um i scrolled too fast and i copied the wrong link (laughs) so i got to did you know that the brand poopery has a 2021 what is your best bathroom scent quiz which we thought is a pretty uh fun it's pretty fun check it out yeah they talk about your um general lifestyle Mm -hmm. you go down a little map and uh it points you to a scent and apparently mine is tropical hibiscus <laughs> <laughs> by the way i bought a bottle of poopery for my fiance he does not use it but <laughs> I, do you wish you did <laughs> boy do i <laughs> yeah all right cool awesome uh last but thing. not least <sighs> this one's a tough one we Dude, um talk about press like i don't know press press or it with pen, with the pandemic and everyone being cooped out at home, you can tell some of these topics are getting a little rough. So, now, home devices. Yeah, uh, yeah. These. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you can tell this is now our favorite topic, but um, because everyone's at home now, there yeah. is a big push, and a lot of people reviewing at home, uh, home devices from lasers to like really mystical light devices and also micro like infusion stuff also it's because we really miss our estheticians and we can't go see them (laughs) i think my general stance is um way to go see an esthetician a Mm -hmm. lot of home devices probably can't replicate the results you're gonna get in office um and i will say the only there there's Two home devices that I've personally tried. Mm-hmm. Um, one is the Tria laser hair removal mm-hmm. one, and um, and also their laser anti aging device. Mm-hmm. But the laser one, I just never really got into it because um, at the time I was twenty five, so mm-hmm. you know I didn't really need it. But the laser hair removal, I'll tell you, I've gotten in office hair removal before, and the at home laser hair removal thing, it works. But your pain tolerance when you're doing it yourself is about this much lower, like this much lower than in office. In office, they're like, "Are you okay? Do you need a numbing cream?" Breathe out. Yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm okay." And then at home, I'll zap one spot. I'm like, "Oh, okay, and that's me for the day." <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just I feel like um people don't give the execution that finessing office enough credit. Yeah. Um, especially for. Going back to micro, like derma, derma rollers and um, maybe laser devices, it, it pays to have a professional really like assess your skin and get it right. Absolutely. And even with like hair, the laser hair removal, like, <laughs> let's be real, there's going to be certain angles that you just can't get yourself. And you're, mm-hmm. you need the esthetician to place it correctly, you mm-hmm. know? So um, I, the other thing that just makes it so hard to talk about this category is just, Using skincare is unregulated, like has no regulation. Like devices, absolutely do not have to answer to anyone. Um, they literally just ride the like trend of like the trendiness mm-hmm. of it. 
So, I mean, one of the most shocking things about this list um, from HuffPost is the cost. You have yes. anything varying from $400 to $2,000. And there is just no way to substantiate if they're actually using, you know, let's say their light therapies at the right frequency for the right time at the right strength, you know, and yeah, I just, it's really hard to yeah. shop for this, to be honest. And, um, not to be a Debbie, well, kind of a Debbie Debbie, but um, there's a while ago, some of them will claim they're FDA, they're FDA approved. Mm. And that is not a complete safe um claim either. Yeah. A while ago, and I really recommend this podcast for anyone, um, I think it's on American Life. But look for a medical device po- uh, podcast episode on NPR. It's one of the NPR podcasts. And they talked about, and this one wasn't on cosmetic stuff. It was on like actual, um, like heart valve medical device. And they talked about how that system is a little broken, doesn't work as well as people think. Mm. They just think how low on the priority list your cosmetic at home devices to the FDA. So, uh. yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say, <laughs> you know, if you are thinking about going down this route, um, do I? Do we believe we should? You should be spending a ton of money on these devices. No, um, but if you want to treat yourself, we're not. You know, I understand that that mm-hmm. aspect too. Um, so I would say just like it's again. I feel like a lot of times on this podcast we just talk about like managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, Self care is a thing. I believe it, especially right now. Um, it's okay to do it, but just you you shouldn't be expecting anything miraculous. And you shouldn't be paying a buttload yeah. to get those miracles. Um, if that were the case. Um, if a device costs $2,000 and an office treatment costs $3,000, just go with $3,000. Exactly. And honestly, getting that esthetician treatment, um, you could get that treatment 10 times before mm-hmm. you pay off that device. So right. just, yeah. Anyway. All right. That's rant, it. That's the news. Rant, rant over. over. <laughs> 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 next, next time, we're going to look for more uplifting things. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, uh, time for the meat. The meat. <laughs> we have the... Let's do it. Vitamin C. <laughs> All, All right. right. Okay. First things first. Before we talk about the derivatives, why we usually talk about LAH? Go back to the book. The whole chapter is practically dedicated to L ascorbic acid. Our ode to sorbic acid. We heart LAH. <laughs> um, simple and short, it does work. And it mm. has a lot of data covering um, the main trio of um, benefits that's mm-hmm. associated with LAA. Mm-hmm. One is antioxidant slash like m- more age prevention type of um, um, benefits. Mm-hmm. One is um, brightening. Mm-hmm. It, vitamin C is a tyrosinase inhibitor. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then last but not least, it boosts collagen production. Mm-hmm. With derivatives, you are mostly going to get one out of three, more proven, I mean. So a lot of the derivatives we cover today, they're mostly um, marketed as and more proven as hyperpigmentation fighters. Yeah. I just want to add that you know a lot of times the reason why people go to derivatives is for two reasons one is you're experiencing irritation with sorbic acid which is which happens we have found that there is a subcategory of people that just really don't do well with sorbic acid the other thing is like you 
are really concerned about um, stability. Mm -hmm. um, the the fact that it's changing color on you, the smell is getting stronger on you. Smells like fermented meat. Yeah, I I do want to suggest that you know if that is your concern, just know that we often recommend vampire settings. Mm -hmm. So store in a cool, dark place, um, and just when you do get it, just use it all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, don't like come back to it, you know, after a few months and then then break, take a break. Um, that's probably the best way. But as for its shelf life, if you keep to those parameters, like. I, I just really wouldn't worry about the stability problem as much, especially if your skin can't handle ascorbic acid. I mean, it's got so many great benefits. So, yeah, you know, that's why we, we champion it as like the biggest like age prevention move for your skin. So anyways, <coughs> sorry. <laughs> so some reasons why you might want to consider uh, a vitamin mm. C derivative, as Victoria mentioned, irritation. Mm. If you can't handle L-ascorbic acid, you might want to try a derivative most of so LAA famously is stable under pH of three point five. Mm. Um, that's not Just the low. yeah. That's not the only reason, but it can contribute to mm. irritation. Mm. Um, so that's one. And most of the vitamin C derivatives will be at a slightly higher pH of like mostly around five. Some even a little higher, which is closer to your skin's pH. Um, because you want to, because there's so many of them coming out That's all true. the time, and, and they all sound so fancy, and they're coming out in like new, like new formulas, fancy packaging. I get it. Yeah. So, and then three is if you want to layer a lot of active ingredients of mm. um, L-ascorbic acid because of pH it's at, and also, um. Also, it's instability. There are some cases out there and some studies that show that it's not super friendly when you layer with a bunch of other actives. So the texture isn't great. Sometimes it gets pretty sticky. Mm -hmm. So to want to layer anything over it, I get it. Me. Yeah. So today we're going to run through rapid fire style, sort of rapid, <laughs> some um, different, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> some different um, vitamin C derivatives. Mm. The first category, and these are not any sort of official categories. These are chemist confessions categories. Mm -hmm. First category is the current industry favorite love children, as in you see it <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. It is everywhere. Especially I recently. Have you yeah. noticed like this season is the season of vitamin C derivatives? Yes. Okay. Hold on. Tin foil hat. Okay, we gotta prepare it next time. <laughs> I think there is a really beastly salesperson at mm. Big THD Ascorbic <laughs> and Big 30 Ascorbic Acid that's like, hey man, my FLA Ascorbic Acid and THD Ascorbic is like so awesome. And all the brands are like, oh my god, you're so awesome. So, like, I don't know who's selling these two ingredients, but they're everywhere right i now. think also it's like oh my god we don't have to deal with chemists and their dumb stability issues <laughs> <laughs> it's true so these two are um are a lot more stable than allosorbic acid yeah. and um and their claims like ascorbic is 50 times more effective than allosorbic acid um show me yeah <laughs> For those of you, please show me. Show me the money. And and those claims usually are made in vitro without mm. a lot of like actual skin data to mm. back it up. But anyway, there are two main industry love child, and that's your THD ascorbate that stands for tetrahexyl ascorbate, 
and also 3-O-ethyl um, ascorbic acid, which sometimes is per, um, marketed as ethylated ascorbic acid. Yeah. And THG, probably the unique thing about it is mm-hmm. that it's oil-based. Um, so that does kind of provide a unique angle in terms of how it's formulated, layering-wise. Um, and Laura did a really cool post on THG, actually a couple, um, highlighting it. I try to be fair because sometimes yeah. like science is a moving progress. So even if we talked about it back in 2018, maybe there's a new really cool study that we missed in 2020 so i kind of did just how science is guys yep (laughs) so i did an update uh on this molecule um trying to see if there's any new data on it (laughs) not really (laughs) um so tg ascorbate is generally considered a skin brightener Mm. you can find quite a few clinicals on it but then if you dig a little deeper you'll notice that all these clinicals combine it with other proven ingredients already i love this one study that has 7% THC ascorbate. It's great at treating melasma, yada, yada, yada. And you read closely, you realize the formula they tested also has 10% L-ascorbic acid. <laughs> and you're like, very cool, guys. Very cool. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. The only paper I did find that's like more recent, mm-hmm. it, that only uses THC ascorbate as the uh, main main active ingredient mm-hmm. is uh, one that uses up to 30% THC ascorbate. Mm. So, in summary, um, you look for higher levels. If a brand claims this ingredient but doesn't tell you how much is in it, probably not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, the most important thing is if the brand itself has done a clinical test on it. Um, so I have to give a shout out to PTRs, Peter Thomas Roth's Potency, because mm. they combine it with a absurd almost absurd amount of ferulic acid and vitamin e i think it's like two percent ferulic acid and three percent vitamin e or the other way around which is really really high by the way and also that's that's not the point <laughs> sorry i just don't understand a little bit too high but yeah. they did do a clinical test on on this combo with 20 percent THC ascorbate and yeah with these new molecules it's a lot of times hard to tell if it'll work or not yeah so um yeah that's it oh and one more note vitamin c products the very a lot of times we'll say oh use as a first step after cleansing but that's because most vitamin c based products are water-based but tg ascorbate as victoria mentioned is oil-based yeah so make sure it comes after your hydrators i think your toner your hyaluronic serums this goes after exactly all right and the second love child is 3o ethyl um this one <laughs> is a very awkward love child yeah so this one i would say is also trending we sh- we're seeing a couple new launches with it um and we're starting we're seeing some pretty high percentages um we gloria found one from allies of skin that's up 25 percent through ethyl and um the other awkward thing is actually there's more data on this being a potential allergen than actually having efficacy. So what does that mean? Um, so traditionally, I think one of the most original, mm-hmm. really, this is really, this is a little dated, but one of the oldest um, data sheets I've had, I've gotten on 3-O-Ethyl from the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. It recommends using it at like 2%. Mm-hmm. So these brands coming off 
25, 30. I'm like, oh. So again, you know, going back to the news when we're talking about percentages, um, now we're having this issue with vitamin C where they're like, I'm used to ascorbic acid being mm -hmm. at 20%. Therefore, all of these derivatives have to be at 20%. Or higher. Exactly. <laughs> and that's just not how that works at all, you know. And Every molecule is unique in exactly. how it interacts with skin. Exactly. Even if it falls under the same category of vitamin C. So hopefully that gives you um, a better perspective on how all these new molecules kind of like fit in and things to look for. Um, what we will say is, if you do find a very high percentage 3-O-ethyl, definitely proceed with caution. Patch test. Patch test. Um, what that means is just place it on a small spot on your face. Mm -hmm. um, look for a reaction overnight. See how your skin responds, you know, and then also definitely introduce it one at a time. Don't just start a bunch of new um, products all at the same time, including this one um but yeah uh, yeah i will say 3-O-ethyl is one that's like definitely a little concerning to me because some of the mm. for each of these categories i was trying to find like representative mm. products um, that have these ingredients you so, feel like this one abuses yeah percentage oh yeah mm. so we have um the allies of skin that combines 25 percent 3-O-ethyl with 10 percent thd ascorbate and then there's also um uh, Ole Harrison Banana Bright. <laughs> Banana Bright that has 15% 3 ethyl with 5% PHA glucolactone. These, are, lot, these are all pretty high. Yeah. And then the OG is Nyad, which is like a mm. sub brand to um, the Ordinary, has an ethylated one that's also pretty high levels. I think that one's a 10%. Yeah. These are all like, yeah. So, getting a little high. Okay. Just to help people organize their thoughts, mm -hmm. is it a better move to do a higher percentage THD? Mm -hmm. You'd want to pick that over uh, 3-O-ethyl to start. If they're, let's say you want to start exploring mm -hmm. these derivatives. Let's like mm -hmm. build them a roadmap. Actually, yeah, I would, especially given so every ingredient out there. I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like three ethyl isn't the irritant. devil. <laughs> no. But there's always a potential no matter which way which yeah. way you go. But let's just say when I was like doing my research backing up this this episode, the sheer number of um, contact dermatitis mm -hmm. cases because of this ingredient is a little alarming. Did they mention like percentages um, of the products they use for these allergen cases to be honest i didn't compile that data because mm -hmm. a lot of times they they might not even call the really specific know. product yeah, well so true. you don't really know so sometimes for these reports all you can do is gather the number of times it's been recorded right. frequency mm -hmm. yeah okay got it all right so that's for the two love childs at I'm the moment <laughs> but there's definitely some other derivatives that we the chemists love and mm -hmm. we actually talk about a lot too um so yeah rabbit fire let's walk through it mm -hmm. um first things first map sap matt that's your magnesium and sodium ascorbyl phosphate yeah uh these actually sodium ascorbyl phosphate is actually one of my favorite mm -hmm. i'll say um it has some interesting data on helping treating acne mm -hmm. and um and what you'll find is if you shop for a vitamin c product on amazon mm -hmm. uh you will think that you are buying a an ascorbic acid product um but most of them are actually sap products yep. so that's actually 
Um, Mad Hippie is probably the best example of that mm -hmm. one. That one has 15%. Mm -hmm. It combines with a classic for acid mm -hmm. and vitamin E. Yeah. Um, and then we also have MAP, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or is that, would you say that's your favorite? If that one is remember. pretty good. Yeah. Because that one has a lot of, um, that one's pretty proven in terms of clinicals mm -hmm. relative to the other vitamin C derivatives. Mm -hmm. It even has a really cool study on wound healing mm -hmm. and how it does promote collagen production. Now, this is on open wounds, right? So we don't know if topical MAP really uh, really has the same effect as L-ascorbic acid on penetration. Yeah, but it has it shows a lot of promise for a um for a derivative mm -hmm. on actual clinicals. The problem is not a lot of representative products we can find <laughs> MAP, and partially because last time I checked, it is a lot more expensive, expensive right? That's, that's what I thought you know. too. Yeah. <laughs> Also, there's not very many suppliers, actually. There isn't. So, uh, insight into our company, I think at one point we were, I mean, vitamin C is always on our radar, mm -hmm. but for us, uh, again, our ethos is to create things that don't quite exist out there. So, because there's so many vitamin C, we haven't solidified what our angle is on mm -hmm. it yet. But um, because of that, I, I did look into MAP supplier. My God, it's expensive. <laughs> And scarce. There's a single source, it feels like. Yeah. Um, great. And then the other one is ascorbyl glucoside. Yeah, ascorbyl glucoside, it's, it's both well-known and almost a little mysterious because it's considered a quasi-drug in Japan. Mm. It's very popular in Asian Which products. Which is a good sign. Yeah. You will see it in a lot of... Um, I think the one of the more signature products of of this ingredient is um the I think it's called it's one of those roto like the higher uh, uh, the Goku Jun like mm -hmm. hyper moist they have a whitening version that yeah. has a scorbo glucoside mm -hmm. but a lot of Japanese products have that especially if they market as a whitening product they a lot of them tend to use a scorbo glucoside usually combined with tranexamic acid actually yeah I so. I do want to say I like to I do love the data around ascorbyl glucoside yeah. and but for me personally I'm very hesitant to try products with ascorbyl glucoside because those formulas for some reason in my mind uh they're on average they're tinted white yeah <laughs> a, lot, a lot Asian products with it so just you know I think just keep that in mind um especially with Asian formulas it's just natural they all want you know porcelain skin mm -hmm. um but that's the one thing for me it's like if it has it I definitely want to check if it's got like tin oxide mica anything like that um when you're using it so, yeah. yeah so yeah those are some of our favorites mm -hmm. and oh I did want to add that even though MAP, I just said there's not a lot of representative products. I did notice a Glossier um, come mm. out recently with the new product of Superglow that has five oh, percent magnesium, magnesium ascorbyl phosphate. Um, I think five percent is a little a tit on the low side in terms of like the proven range, which is very comparable to vitamin uh, L ascorbic acid, which is ten percent. But five percent is still a solid level. It's not overdoing it, so yeah. I'll take this over anything else. So. <laughs> We'll look yeah. forward to a decode on Instagram on that product too. Yeah. All right. So definitely want to give some tips as well as you're navigating mm. um, things like red flags to look out for. Um, my favorite one that I love to tell people is 
when you are on Amazon, you may find a very incorrect ingredient list. Yes. Um, Vitamin C is not a real ingredient name. No, if they use that and say call it out as vitamin c on the ingredient list definitely don't use that formula you're talking about a brand that doesn't know actually how to properly list out their ingredients so this is a huge red flag to the trash can go <laughs> yeah, and while we're on this topic but anything vitamin unless it's in parentheses that says oh by the way this is vitamin c or yeah. whatever it's not a real ingredient name vitamin anything is not a real ingredient name yeah. for example vitamin e you will find tocopherol acetate or tocopherol those ingredient names yeah if it's listed as vitamin e run like the wind <laughs> yeah exactly um one thing that i know grinds gloria's gears as does mine but i love seeing her get upset is vitamin c rich extract <laughs> i've done a few math problems about this shit and it is to the trash can it goes yeah it doesn't matter how many <laughs> Oh, 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 guys, brace yourself. Brace your ears. How many claims they write about, like, oh, it's got 50 times the vitamin C of your friendly neighborhood orange. Mm -hmm. Like, if you do the math, it doesn't got much, you know? Yeah. Like, there's vitamin C, because it's a higher use level ingredient, you will never get close to even 5% if you use a quote-unquote vitamin C rich because yeah. what your skin needs topically is very different than what your body needs when you eat it mm -hmm. so um yeah uh if a product says oh we this is a vitamin c antioxidant and it's uh anti-aging we use this uh, exotic berry that <laughs> has an extract that's super rich in vitamin c yeah, run. No, that goes in trash. Also, if they use some very shady lingo like 10% vitamin C blend or, mm. you know, d the sad thing is with transparency, they're now forcing people to level up and read between the lines. Yeah. And what really honestly pisses us off is that, you know, you're trying to be transparent and then they, you know, read through the lines and you see that, oh, they're claiming it's 10% of this vitamin C fruit extract, that vitamin C rich fruit extract and not the actual molecule. That doesn't help anyone. Quick math, let's say they had 10% of extract, which by the way, a lot of them don't even mm. have that. And the extract itself has 10% vitamin C. That means you have 1% vitamin C, which is nothing. <laughs> the end. All right, and then uh, last thing is now in this day and age, uh, percentages. Yeah, uh... <laughs> we just talked about transparent percentage, and now we're saying if you don't find a percentage, that's also not helpful either because it doesn't really give us a lot of confidence that you're getting the right stuff and you're getting the right amount. And we'll say the only people that can get a buy on listing their percentages if they've done clinical does yeah um but other than that vitamin c generally speaking that bucket so oh this is where it gets really complicated. guys i'm sorry i know this is confusing because every molecule is different mm -hmm. so for your map sap um and thd ascorbate mm -hmm. they're very similar in level to your l-ascorbic mm -hmm. acid so think 5 to 20 mm -hmm. maybe 30 max um and then for your ascorboglucoside and 3-O-ethyl um, those need to be a little lower, lower, like under five, two percent. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, good reference points. Um, and with that, <laughs> we should wrap <gasps> this up. <laughs> oh, this is this is a hard, chewy. <laughs> 
cut of meat. Yeah, um, definitely got to follow up with some charts for you guys. So we'll yeah. definitely do that. Um, but yeah, so hopefully that gives you kind of a good oh. snapshot. There's a chart yeah. in the book yeah. about vitamin C, so check that out. Yeah, so, um, and of course, if you have any questions navigating the space, um, you know where to find us. So that's it. And now to our favorite part. Let's break it up. Let's break, break, break it up. Break, break, break it up. Woo! Woo! Animal Animal Corner. Corner. So guys, we promise you we will return to the cute and cuddly <laughs> So. Yes, we did. We're doing it today. All right, Laura, which animal are we talking about today? We are doing wombats today. Oh, boy. Wombats are super cute. They're little marsupials. And when you think weird animals, they're mostly from Australia. And you are not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wombats are really cute. And one of the most distinguishing qualities to the wombat is their poo. Yeah. Well, first things first, let's give them a description right. for those who don't have video. <laughs> They kind of look like a fatter koala. Yeah, they're super cute. Maybe less fuzz on the ears. Um, but yes, um, if you one thing you should know about them, yeah, is if you find poop on the floor that is a perfect cube, <laughs> you've got a wombat in your territory. Yes, and you gotta wonder which of your neighbors <laughs> is hoarding wombats <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Gloria, why do they poop cubes? So this apparently, I, when I started looking into it, I realized apparently this has been one of those great mysteries science has been mm. trying to solve. Is mm. how, why, and how does wombat poop cubes? And I am not even exaggerating. Um, I, I I looked at pictures of wombat cube, uh, poop cubes, and it's not like oh, it's faintly defined. It is a perfect yeah. cube. Yeah, and it is. And the thing is, like, wombat poop cube is, like, more consistent than, I almost want to say Arby's burger quality, but that's why I'm getting into trouble. But let me get this straight. We stole their line for the meats on the content, and now we're throwing some shade at Arby's. All right, all right. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. So for all sorry, Arby's. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so for a long time, the biggest mystery is how are they even making poop cubes? If you think about it, how do you squeeze out cubes from your intestine? So is their intestine a cube shape? Yeah, so at first, like, that's like a logical thought process, but it's not. And it turns out that uh, their intestine, so let's say a pig's intestine or um, a human. Or yeah. yeah. Actually, you and me. Actually, I don't know about human intestines, but I'm pretty sure it is because humans are very similar to pigs in a lot of ways. Human skin and pig skin have the same, a lot of the same mechanical properties, too. Sorry, Peter, but we do use them. Um, not us personally, pigs. but. Anyway, <laughs> so pig intestine, yeah. the elasticity on it is uniform throughout the entire mm. intestine. But wombat intestine, apparently, it's not. There's mm. like a gradient, and there's different patches with different, uh, different mm. um, elasticity. So mm. basically, when the poop goes through it, it gets squeezed at different forces. Mm. Um, people think that it's because it really effectively squeezes out all the water. So mm. those poop cues be dry AF. <laughs> so it's literally intestines like molding the poop as it it's goes like along. Brown sugar cubes. It's like massaging it as it goes along, and then the 
I think of it as like Japanese sushi precision. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that's awesome. That's I've always wondered use... why. Yeah. But, yeah. And apparently they use it to mark territories and communicate. Mm. So if someone leaves a poop cube in your front <laughs> door, it's sending you a strong message. Yeah. Saying, don't mess with this wombat. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, any other fun facts about the wombat? Oh, a group of wombats is called a mob. That's hilarious. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> uh, we're going to try to in- like include a sketch of a mob of wombats. With their mob of poop cubes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yay. Oh, I promised my sister I'd give her a shout out because she sent me the article. Oh. <laughs> so, give your shout out. Thank you. All right. And last but not least, we are wrapping this episode up with some Q&A. Yeah. So this is our Q&A and feedback corner. I, I, <laughs> I added it because it's like sometimes we got to pat ourselves in the back. Aww. So, uh, You're our, right. You yes. are absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our, our friend Catherine, uh, this is Catherine Fogel, says, so happy you guys are back. Uh, Victoria <laughs> mentioned in our first episode back that she's mm-hmm. looking for mineral SPF, mm-hmm. so he couldn't. She couldn't find one that she likes either until this new Sai Beauty one that's spelled S A I E. So she is. She recommended that she thinks it's um, the tinted one uh, in the purple packaging is awesome and blends like a drink. Uh, we haven't gotten our hands on it yet, but really, wait, 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 wait. read the rest. Read the rest. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you guys for the awesome content. It's nice to hear intelligent skincare talk with the same sense of humor I have. Oh my god, really? Thank you. I'd be interested in your thoughts on beauty products as well as ones, especially the ones that yeah. straddle skincare makeup category. That's actually a great point. Maybe that will be a thing for the next podcast episode yeah. is makeup skincare hybrid yeah exactly but yeah thank you for the suggestion we don't we don't we haven't got our hands on it yet but i just wanted to share with our listeners oh no, no no i purchased oh you did i saw it and i was like ding <laughs> <laughs> so thank you Catherine. i can't wait to try it out i will definitely know let you know my fee- my feedback mm-hmm. on the sunscreen as well i'm really anxious to try it because yeah, I really like to not pay $65 for Murat's uh, mineral sunscreen. So really appreciate it. But yeah. So I yeah. I think she brought up a good point about the skincare makeup category. Yeah, there's hybrids. a lot more now. And I, I my tinfoil hat on again because everyone's at We're home. just going to take turns. Yeah. Makeup <laughs> sells probably not great because who's mm. really like... Have you, when's the last time you saw someone with like full makeup and lipstick and everything right mm. so they're probably like maybe if we say skin benefits people will buy it yeah exactly all right cool um so question two um this is from state uh tate natoli she asked would using thermal mist dry the skin out if not followed by a moisturizer which um, to give you some context, um, Gloria wrote a blog post on thermal waters and whether or not it's a thing or, or should be a thing or not. Um, and I think it's a great question to kind of address here as everyone kind of knows that it's a like, you know, they market it as a thing. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's touted as like that miracle step. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, thermal waters are just that. They're water based. Mm-hmm. So if you have pretty oily skin mm. or oily-ish skin you 
might not need a moisturizer to follow up. Um, but I think in most cases you do need it. Yeah, I would say like probably ninety percent more than that, ninety five percent even. Yeah. Yeah, especially especially if you have dry skin or if you're trying to use it as a refresher on say airplane rides and stuff. Um, because the reality is, um, your skin that water isn't gonna be sealed into your skin right. without help of a moisturizer. Right. Water based components just one of three things you need. Right. And that's hard. Exactly. So, you know, while it's great that, you know, you're trying to introduce like more, I would say moisturizing components, um, especially if you are worried about dry skin, like definitely not alone. And I will say we did get a question about the Caudalie toner, the spray mm -hmm. toner. Um, the last time I checked that actually had a lot of alcohol in it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a cult favorite and um i think people really like the refreshing texture and maybe mm. kind of the finish alcohol be fresh i guess <laughs> yeah exactly so um and especially those two like you know on planes it's just really not ideal um we would like to suggest going a different direction mm. in looking like a glowing panda with vaseline yes. so yeah great question all right last but not least um i really wanted to include this question because um I wanted to share with you kind of how chemists break down um, questions about their routines. Yes. Um, one of the most common scenarios, we're going to use an example here. So um, a lady who we're going to leave anonymous, she writes to us, I'm 48. I would like anti-aging products that work, but won't rip your uh, face off. But do you get results without spending my entire $1,400 rent check? I have very dry skin with no allergies to anything. But I do need help in picking products. So this mm -hmm. is the questions she sends us. And we have to follow up with a few questions. <laughs> yeah. So usually, and this is the process we go through mm -hmm. with chemists recommended. Mm -hmm. And also when you guys reach out to us about yeah. routine questions. So step one is what's your current routine? Yeah. Because we need to make sure that before we get into anti-age ingredients, we're covering uh, cleanse, moisturize, sun protect, and a, in a well-rounded way. So that's step one. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like 21 questions because we want to know, mm -hmm. yeah, we want to know the products you're using. Sometimes we'll even ask, like, for this case, um, she talks about how she's using retinol. Um, but it turns out that she's actually using 0.5% tretinoin, which is actually the gold standard of the whole retinoid category mm -hmm. and its prescription for us. Um, she also mentions she uses sunscreen every day. And all she wants is just dewy, healthy skin. So how would we go about suggesting a routine that won't break the bank? Yeah, so um, tretinoin, because it's already gold standard, and like we said, if you're on any sort of retinoid, it's best to center your routine around the retinoid. Yeah. So um, in this case, we want to say, okay, you are already active on correction, which mm. is the tretinoin. So how are we doing on the um, prevention part? Because mm -hmm. it's a dual path. Um, so which vitamin C are you using if you're using any and how are you fitting it into your routine? Right. That's usually the next one. Step one. Yeah. She also mentions dry skin. Mm -hmm. So we usually like to say, you know, if your skin's starting to get dry, let's try not having to change your moisturizer. Let's try adding a layer of something um, extra to kind of like buffer it, um, give it that oomph. And so we mentioned, you know, you can consider a face oil, and if that's still not helpful, Vaseline Yeah. Um, as a last step. And I want to add that as someone with dry skin, I think um, the industry tends to favor the lighter texture. 
Because mm-hmm. I mean, let's be even if you have dry skin, you're not gonna want that thick, balmy, like really rich, oily feel. Yeah. Um, which means sometimes it's hard to find that like gold standard inclusive platinum yep. in yep. your products. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, it does work and it helps a ton, especially if you're on tretinoin. You might not be dry throughout, but like I, I call it my mustache stone though. The Jafar. <laughs> the <laughs> You're right. <laughs> very, very dry. It also makes me think of Mulan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, the the mm-hmm. matchmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets really dry. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you who really hate the vasting texture, we do recommend that you don't have to slather it over your face, mm-hmm. but for these, you know, like where your dry problem areas are, mm-hmm. just dabble it on. Yeah. And then finally, to, you know, level up her routine, um, she mentions really dry skin. So um, our go-to is not, like, to do acids first, just because she's already on a pretty high strength mm-hmm. retinol, retinoid. Excuse me. Um, so what we want to do is, actually, let's try to introduce some peptides. Actually, peptides and retinol go really well together. Yeah. Um, they generally like the same pH. Um and don't really do the skin too much damage, like in terms of irritation and adding on to tretinoin side effects. Um, so that's an inevitably where we pointed her to. Yeah, peptides. Um, and the gold standard peptides is wild because mm. there's a ton out there. There's literally an infinite number of possible combinations. And I guarantee you not all of them work. Probably 90% don't work. So, so on that depressing be- note... <laughs> And the chicks was a gold standard there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So hopefully um this gives you an idea of like how, you know, you would want to kind of like think about your routine mm-hmm. um and leveling up and also managing irritation and really catering to like kind of like your skin quirks. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, uh all in all, hope that was helpful and we have reached the end of episode 17. Oh my gosh, so consistent, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh so I believe Every subject we have proposed thus far has actually not happened for the next episode. We have lied every single episode <laughs> so far. What, what, it's like a betting game. So, Victoria, what do you think will be our next episode? Oh, man. I feel like acne has been, like, waiting on the, in the wings. Ooh. It's such a complex topic. Um, there's now, there's telehealth now, um, telemedicine, and... Just kind of like weeding through that. I know um, it's kind of yeah, yep. Yeah, all right, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna try to put acne on the docket for you guys. Yeah, and acne is such a huge topic. So um, yeah, good luck to you, to you, Victoria. <laughs> I was like, good luck to them, but I was like, oh, to me, oh, oh, yeah, oh you're right, you're right. okay. Cool. All right, cool. Yeah. So um, yeah. If you have any questions, you know where to find us. Um, but hope you enjoyed the podcast and I guess we're out. (laughs) Yeah. And Stella. And Stella. Enjoy the weekend, guys, and uh, we will see you guys soon.